Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. As we kick off 2022, let's seek more of God and a move of God together. How do we do it? With a renewed hunger to know God. Join us as we spend these first weeks of the new year realigning our heart with God's, understanding the purpose of prayer, and walking in the power of God. Well, we're in a series. Today's part two. Uh, That means we began last week, so if you missed it, it is on our app or on our website. And the series is simply called Pray First. The goal of this series is to take a statement that is true, but to actually believe it, and then to build our lives around it. And, you know, there are things that we know are true. We just haven't always taken those steps. And so what I mean is we want to take a statement that is true. We know it's true, and we'll prove it to you in a second. And we want to get it into our hearts and then get it into our lives. So what is this statement? Well, I said it last week. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. And the truth is, I don't know that we could all say we're built our lives on that right now because a lot of us, we've used the phrase before, well, all we can do now is pray. Uh, That is the definition of last resort. (laughs) That's what that means. And what we need to learn to do is to invite God into things and to ask him to be with us sometimes before we get into things. Like very, very simple stuff. I'm not talking about an hour-long prayer. Pray first. And that's why we have these bracelets that remind us to do this. So as you're walking into that business meeting, you say, God, help me with this meeting. Help me know good from bad decisions and, and, and do what you'd have me do. There you go. You open the door and you walk on in. That, that simple. You, you ask God, you pray first before you go to the doctor instead of waiting till the doctor has no answer for you. That's a last resort. How about this one? Got a lot of married people. Um, pray first before you try to resolve that conflict with your spouse. You know how you sometimes don't. And the next thing you know, you're in the garage by yourself. Then you're praying. So, so actually try praying before you talk to your spouse and still after your spouse stopped talking to you. I mean, there are so many times, like some of us, it, it needs to say, pray before you post. It just needs to keep going around here. Pray first before Facebook. That, that's, yeah. So anyway, we have these bracelets that we created for this. Uh, and, and we've been giving these out now for, I don't know, five, six, seven years. We, we, we couldn't even figure out when we started it. Some of you have been through several of these because they're not made for extended jewelry wear. Uh, and we have ordered more for you, but last week everybody took them all. And uh, so we will tell you, though, more on the way. But just like everything you try to buy anywhere today, they're on a boat <laughs> somewhere, and they will arrive someday. <laughs> but we've ordered more. That's all I can tell you right now. So in the meantime, stop by the connection area. We've got permanent markers and tattoos. And I'm just kidding. We're not really doing that. Uh, But we began the series answering the dilemma we have with one of the reasons we don't pray. One of the reasons we don't pray is because we don't think we're good at it. And so we talked about that in part one because Jesus' disciples came to him and said, would you teach us to pray? And he said, yeah, here's how you pray. And, And so I think it was a very simple message, but it is very foundational to your lives to understand what Jesus was teaching. So if you missed that, like I said, it's it's on the app. Speaking of the app, you can also take notes of what we're doing because especially today, I'm gonna give you a lot of different scriptures because I want you to see that everything I'm talking about is actually in the Bible. And uh, when you get together in your life group or, or you're just going over things later in the week trying to put this into your life, it helps to actually have notes. And so, yes, I am a school teacher for a long time. So that was the school teacher in me saying, actually write things down while I talk, it'll help you. Uh, so anyway, here's the dilemma we're gonna look at today. Uh, The other question we have sometimes is, I don't pray because I don't think God is listening. Come on, somebody, you you don't, 
you with me? You know, it's like, is God even there? Have you ever been praying and you're like, hello? It's like crickets in heaven? Like any, anybody there? You know, do I have the wrong number? God, are you listening? Right, come on, somebody with me It's not always sure God is listening. See, here's the truth. I haven't always been a pastor. And, and, and I'll tell you a secret. Even when you're a pastor, there are times where you wonder, God, are you listening? And so, look, when somebody is struggling or saying, I just don't think God ever listens. I mean, I'm always praying. I just don't hear anything from God. I just don't know what to do. You know, the right response for a pastor or a Christian friend is you look at them and say, of course God is listening. You just need to persevere in prayer. You just need to stick with it. I promise you God will answer in his timing. How many of you hate God's timing? Come on, you can love God and hate God's timing. That's not heresy, just for the record. And sometimes that is the right response. What if I told you that's not always true? What if I told you there are actually times where God does not listen to your prayers? Now, don't start gathering up your stuff and saying, we got to go, this man's teaching heresy. I'm going to show it to you. It's in the Bible. Just Here's the question, though, before we go any further. If it's true, if it's in the Bible, that there is something that causes God to stop listening to us, How many of you would want to know what that is and get it out of your life? Come on, anybody with me? All right, well, that's where we're going to begin today because it turns out that's exactly what the Bible says. Psalm 66, like I told you, there are going to be lots of passages today. The good news, again, on our app, all the notes are already done. You just get to fill in a couple blanks. But Psalm 66 is where we're going to begin. And it says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So if the psalmist is correct, and since it's in the Bible, we know it's true, If the psalmist is correct, then sin actually closes the ears of God. Let me give you another example. Jesus healed a blind man, and he did it on the Sabbath, which was considered a sin to work on the Sabbath. That's what they considered healing, working. (laughs) Funny thing. But anyway, and so all of the religious leaders were saying, there's no way that man is from God. He's a sinner. Look at him. He's breaking the Sabbath. And the blind man said back to them, basically, I don't know, but let me tell you what I do know. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone's a worshiper of God and does his will, that is the kind of person God will listen to. And then, of course, there's another great example that I always use with husbands and marriage counseling. It says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Apparently, there is a way that you can treat your wife that will cause your prayers to be hindered, to not be heard. And, and if we look at this fact, it's very clear. Sin hinders prayer, right? And I'll just go ahead and, and help everybody out. I don't think that that's an exclusive rule to husbands where wives and children all get a pass. I don't think that's the way that works. I think that that is a greater concept that was being applied to husbands at that moment when that was written. But the greater concept is how we treat another person and how we live our lives can actually close the ears of God to our prayers. Now, I'm going to pause right there. Can I have everybody's attention? If anybody was daydreaming, I'm going to do a timeout. Because the way that this message is already sounding is very religious. Is that fair to say? If you are not uh, used to going to church, if you would consider yourself new here, maybe this is your first time, maybe you wouldn't say I'm normally a churchgoer, maybe you would say I'm not even a Jesus follower. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of exploring you would say, that's exactly the kind of message I expect church people to give. They're going to just tell me how bad I am and why God doesn't like me because I'm bad. I'm a sinner. And that would be one extreme for some of you. On the other extreme would be people who said, uh, Jimmy, that can't be right. 
Because I know that God is love, God is forgiving. And matter of fact, God sent his son to die for me before I ever did anything right. So how dare you say that he won't listen to me? He died for me while I was a sinner. Of course he'll listen to me while I'm a sinner. And we'll say, well, just hold on. So some of us have, have never really understood that there is actually something in our lives that closes the, the ears of God, but I'm not trying to preach at anyone to make anyone feel bad or feel condemned. If you are exploring your faith in God, this is, this is not calling you a sinner. This is calling all of us a sinner, all of us, me included, because every single one of us, as we're going to see in a moment, does something that, that closes God's ears, every one of us. So I'm not preaching to anyone more than everyone. Are y'all, are y'all good with that? Matter of fact, I'll tell you that, you know who I'm really preaching to most? I'm gonna change my last statement. I am preaching to somebody more than anyone and it's church people. It's those of you who actually should know and, and, and then we don't do what we should know as we're about to see in scripture, God has a, a little bit of a problem with his people who actually say, yep, you're my dad and I'm your child and I don't like what you say. Uh, he has a little bit of an issue with that. Okay, so is everybody okay? And you understand I'm not trying to like be condemning and make a, a, a new person feel bad. I just, I get so frustrated as a pastor when people are like, God doesn't like me. He never answers my prayer. I don't even think God is, and I'm like, if that's true, we can fix that. That's my heart today. Do you understand that? If you feel like God is not listening, we can fix that. Sometimes it's a lie of the devil. He's just trying to make you feel bad. That's not true. But if there's ever a time, as we're gonna see in scripture, when God is not listening, we can fix that today. Anybody wanna fix that? Yeah. All right, well, here we go. So uh, once again, if, if God is loving, if God is forgiving, and, and yet there is something that will cause God, like sin, to hinder our prayers, why is that? I'm gonna just, before we you know, get into the whole problem, I'm gonna give you the theological uh, background for it. I'm going to give you the why behind the what. I think why is the most important always. That's a great question. Don't ask your teacher why when they say do your homework. That, that'll get you in trouble. I tried that one. But in any other time, ask why. Because if we can understand why, we'll understand everything. So here's why. The first one is this word sin. We said sin hinders prayer, right? Sin is a word that is nothing more than a label for doing the opposite of what God wants. You know, if you are new to church, if you're new to following God, a lot of people are like, which, which chapter in here has a list of all the sins? Or you think somewhere in a church building, there's a room where they have a list of the sins on the wall, like it's that easy. It's not that easy. Because whatever God says, when we do the opposite, that is sin. That's just what that is. So if God says, be kind and you're mean, that is sin. If God says, be generous and you're stingy, that is sin. If God says, be thankful and you're grumpy and complaining, that is sin. Are you following me? Anything. If God says, tell the truth, but you do not, that is sin. And so the reason that sin hinders prayer is because it's a relationship. He's our father in heaven. If you remember from part one, Jesus started teaching his disciples how to pray. He said, pray this, our father in heaven. He didn't say pray, oh, judge on a throne, no, which that's true as well. But he wanted them to understand that your, your God in heaven is also your father. It's relational. So follow this with me. Any relationship. Let, let's go with a marriage. That's always an easy one. So, so let's say that the wife is uh, sick and has to stay home. And she says to her husband, uh, honey, you know, I'm sick. I can't get out of the house. You know what I'd really love? It, it would cheer me up as I'm getting better. I, I would just love some some flowers, some bright, beautiful flowers. On your way home from work today, could you stop by the store and just pick out some flowers? 
And so when the husband gets home from work, the wife says, well, did you get me flowers? And he says, no. Uh, I mean, I know that's what you wanted. I know you even said it. Um, but you know, I was thinking, and personally, I don't like flowers. I think they smell. Uh, they attract bees. Nobody wants bees in the house. And they're going to wilt, and you're going to throw them away in two days and waste my money anyway. So I decided it doesn't really matter what you want. What I want is to not get you flowers. I didn't get you flowers. But, but would you cook my favorite dinner tonight for me? How, how many of y'all think he's getting his favorite dinner that night? Well, that's a relationship between a husband and a wife. Now imagine a relationship between a father and a child, our father in heaven and us. You see, what hinders sin is when we look at God and say, I know what you want, I know what you say, but too bad, I like me better. (laughs) I like my ideas better, I like what I want better. So forget you, because here's the point. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is a conversation with God. Prayer is fellowship with God. Prayer might even include asking God for some things. So you go to God and say, hey, how you doing? The person that I ignore, the person that I don't want anything to do with. Uh, I'm not going to do what you say, but I've got a list of things I want you to do for me now. That is number one reason why sin hinders prayer. Does that that make sense to everybody? Okay, here's the second reason. Sin causes us to feel guilty or ashamed. Now, granted, there was a point in all of our lives when we were younger where we did things that we didn't feel bad about them, and you actually tried to get really good at getting away with some things, and you can probably remember those days. But then there came a point, which I hope was not just last night for some of you, but I hope it's been going on for a while, where you actually feel something when you know you're not doing what God wants. You start to feel a little guilty. You feel a little ashamed. Well, here's exactly what happens when you feel guilty. You stay away from God. See, the last thing you want to do is talk to the person that you know you have hurt, right? I mean, that's why it's so hard in a marriage sometimes to have a conversation that needs to be had. You know you did something wrong, and it's just so hard to get that conversation started. And so we do the same thing with God. Maybe you've heard of the the book of Pilgrim's Progress, the, the famous preacher from the 1600s, John Bunyan. Here's how he describes this in the most simple way. Prayer will make a man cease from sin. Or sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. It's two really simple choices. Prayer will make a man cease from sin. The the more time that you spend with God, enjoying God, experiencing God's presence, the less that you're going to want to do the opposite of what pleases him. But the more that you offend his nature and do the opposite, the more you're going to be enticed to stay as far from him as you can. It's really simple. And and then the last uh, reason that sin hinders prayer Prayer is warfare. We're going to talk about this later in the series, but prayer is warfare for the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness. It is invading the kingdom of darkness and and the enemy's purpose for your life, trying to to disarm that, to bring the kingdom of God into your life and, and God's purpose into your life. It is going in and saying, God, help me get rid of this habit. God, help me with this problem. God, heal this person. God, save this person. God, do all of the opposite of what the kingdom of darkness wants to do. And you cannot... Hurt the kingdom of darkness while you are partnered with it. See, Jesus actually explained this very well. He said, but no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. In other words, if you and the strong man are buddies, don't try like stealing his stuff until you tie him up. And you don't tie up your buddies, you tie up your enemies. And so as long as we are best friends with the enemy, we can't go to war against him. Are y'all with me on that one? 
Okay, so look, that's the theological underpinning for why sin actually does hinder our prayers. And that's as simple as I can put it. Uh, but here's the good news, everybody. All is not hopeless. Somebody excited for that one? So is that, I realize that was the hard news, the tough news. You may say the bad news. I don't know. But I'm definitely not going to end there. We're going to end with the good news. And, and the good news is that God hears our prayers when we are with him. Check this out. It says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. God is looking down upon the righteous and he is listening to what they pray and to what they say. So I could just say at this point, everybody be righteous. God bless you. Have a nice day. That probably wouldn't be uh, quite good enough to get the job done, would it? So, you know, that word righteous, uh, sometimes it's a Bible word or a church word. Some of you have maybe heard it, but maybe wouldn't want to define it. So let me define it for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to boil it down to this very, very simply. Righteous means right with God. Right with God. Now, the thing is, there are two ways that we have to be right with God. And we usually only talk about one of them, and that's where the problem comes in. But there are two ways. The first one is legally, and the second one is relationally. Here's what I mean legally. Legally, we are in the kingdom of darkness when we're born, and Jesus came to save us and rescue us from the kingdom of darkness. That's why the Bible says we are adopted uh, into the kingdom of God and adopted as children of God, right? And so we legally enter to the kingdom of God. So what happens at the moment where you say, I believe Jesus is the son of God. I believe Jesus came and lived a perfect life. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe I can be forgiven of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. A gavel is hit in the heavenlies that wipes out all the deeds of all that you've ever done wrong and declares you to be legally right with God. You are a child of God. You are forgiven for everything yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that is how you can say, I'm saved and going to heaven with a smile on your face because you're legally right with God. But some of us are legally right with God but not relationally right with God. Follow this. Anybody in here uh, ever, ever had a parent? That's all, all of you. <laughs> and when you were a child, some of you still are. Sorry, not trying to offend you, but some of you are still 18 or under. You have a legal parent, a legal guardian. And here's the thing. They may ground you for something that you did that they didn't like. And you may then go to your room and slam the door saying mean things. And just for the record, you do that in my house, you lose your door. But, you know, that happens in some houses where they slam the door, they throw a little bit of a fit, and they go off and do their own thing. And they, they have a relational break with their parents. Their parents call them to dinner. They pretend they didn't hear because the last thing they want to do is spend time with those people. Now, here's the thing. If you were to go somewhere right now, those parents could not just drop you off on the side of the road. They legally still have to take care of you because they are legally still your parent. You can't just pack your stuff and walk away at 13. No, 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 the police will bring you home because you are legally still their child. You still legally need their permission to do certain things, but you relationally have nothing. How about a husband and a wife when they're fighting? Look, some of you are even here today just like this. You're sitting beside each other, you know, with your arms like this, you know, and you are legally husband and wife, but you haven't spoken in two days. You are not relationally there. And so what we're going to talk about today for the most part is not legally because the truth is there are so many things that a lost person can pray and God hears. The Bible is full of them. God, save me. God, help me. God, I need you. Jesus, save me. I mean, there are so many things that a lost person who has not yet given their life to Jesus, the Bible says lost, so just forgive me. I'm not trying to insult anybody. So I'm not here to talk about that. What I'm here to talk about is what causes the relational breakdown where God stops listening, closes his ears as we were reading about. So I'm gonna give us four things. I could say just simply stop sinning, have a nice day. 
I could say something like pride is the root of all sin, so get rid of pride and you'll be great. But none of that is probably very practical. And if you know me, I'm, I'm super practical, or at least I try to be. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a list of, of the four things that I think are doing the most damage to our relational uh, experience with God. Is that okay, you guys with me? And so here's how this is going to go. The first one, uh, to answer the question, what can we do to keep God's ears open? Number one is do God's will. And the reason that I wanted to uh, word it that way and address it is because a lot of people are confused about God's will. See, I was a youth pastor and a high school teacher for a long time, and more than any other question, I always heard, I don't know what God's will is for my life. And I'm thinking, you're like 17 or 18. You should have figured some of it out by now, you know? And that'll make sense in just one minute. But here's the point. A lot of people, what they mean by God's will is they're saying, where am I supposed to go to college? What am I supposed to do for a job? What is my calling? What is God's will for me? And so then you grow up and you answer those questions. You go to college, you get a job, and you say, I'm a lawyer, or I'm a doctor, or I'm a pastor, or I'm a teacher, or I'm a husband, I'm a wife. And once you get that, you go, I'm doing God's will for my life, and I'm good. Okay, you're doing one part of God's will for your life. And that's not what we're talking about. What I'm talking about is doing God's will. All of it. See, this is God's will. Anything in here is God's will. If in here it says, be nice to your neighbor, even if they're mean, which it says that, that's God's will. If in here it says, be generous, even if it's your last coin, that's in here, then be generous. If in here it says, forgive, even though they were mean, that's God's will. You get what I'm saying? Anything that God has said is his will. And so the truth is, sometimes we know there's something in here God has said to do, and then we don't do. And so then we lose that, that relationship I was just talking about, like, Hey, God, I know you want me to do this, but I don't want to do it. By the way, could you do this for me? It breaks the relational flow. And so, as I said earlier, I actually am talking more to church people because they claim to know this. We, we claim to know this. And yet, don't raise your hands, but how many of us would say we're perfect at it? How many of us would say there's absolutely nothing in here that I don't like? And, and I do it all without question, perfectly all the time. I don't know that many of us could say that it, because this is our life struggle is to put this into our lives, right? And for those of you that would say, I'm not really sure what's in there, Jimmy, then can I take a moment to recommend? It's a beginning of a year. We, we have a one-year Bible reading plan. They're on the internet. They're everywhere. It'd be so easy to do. It takes like 12 minutes of your day every morning, 12 minutes or so, and you can get through this in a year. And I think that that is what we need to do. Because God says, look, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. That's why we need to know what is in here. And that's why for those of us who know what is in here, we really, really need to actually do that. Because God says this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. To like that husband who should have bought flowers. The wife's like, if you love me, you'll bring me flowers. You don't bring flowers, but then you say, but I still love you. It's really hard to reconcile the words with the actions. And so when we come in here and we're lifting our hands and singing songs, God, you are great, I love you, but I'm going to go out and demonstrate that I don't love you by constantly doing the opposite of whatever your will is. Everybody's starting to see how that can be a bit of a relational difficulty for God. Matter of fact, I think the best thing that could happen is if God looks down upon you and he sees you not just coming into a room like this and speaking words or singing songs, but he looks at your life and sees you demonstrating your love for him. Because every one of us knows what it's like 
The people who demonstrate their love to you the most, those are the people that get the most of your attention. And you're the quickest to try and answer any one of their requests. And I'm not saying that, that God is an exact copy of us because we're very fallen and not perfect. But it's still a relationship. You guys with me? Yes. All right, so I could stop there as well. Because absolutely anything that you need to do to keep God's ears open falls under the title of, of do God's will. And, and I wouldn't have to say anything else. But, well, again, it's a big book. And, and there are some things that are very, very common to our culture that we struggle with. Some things that are very prevalent today that I think need to be called out for what they are. And so if you'll allow me, the last three things on the list, again, although they would fit as part of doing God's will, I want to name them specifically as things we struggle with in our culture because I don't think we realize how much it closes God's ears to us. So are you guys okay with this? I'm going to give you three things that are very, very close to our culture. And what that means is you're not going to want to hear these. That was, that was code. So, so the guy just tell it that. I need to tell you three things you would probably don't want to hear. Are y'all going to let me do it? Is it going to be okay? That was very reluctant, but I've got the microphone and the sound people uh, are on my team. So there you go. All right, first one is this. Treat people with honor. Treat people with honor. There is a critical, hateful, judgmental spirit in our world. Have you guys noticed that? Have you noticed that it is getting worse really fast? Like the, the freedom to be as mean to someone as you want. It, it, it's just like you can say anything you want because you know that when you do, you're going to get all kinds of thumbs up or likes or people cheering with you because we've all got our posse and, and the world is so divided right now. You know, anything you say about half the world's going to go, yes. I mean, it's just the way it's going to be. And so we've decided we can attack individuals. We can attack movie stars. We can attack politicians. We can attack anybody. And we don't have a filter anymore. There's no filter that says be honorable. We shouldn't be surprised, by the way, that that pervades our culture because a critical, hateful spirit is from the devil, and the Bible says the devil is the ruler of this world. We, we shouldn't be surprised that, that what's in this world is something like that. The issue is that we keep it going. And, and I think that something goes wrong when we treat people in a way that God would not treat them. We're treating people the way the devil would treat them. We're not treating them the way God would treat them. And then we expect God to look down and smile upon us. Now, none of you are enjoying this in a moment because I'm getting some really mean looks. I'm just going to say, I hope none of you have projectiles or anything. But look, here's the thing. I just took my kids skiing this week. And, uh, you know, I've got four kids and taking your kids, I love to ski and I've been skiing my whole life. Uh, when you take your kids to ski, you don't get to ski, you know, because you're still trying to help them understand uh, you need to pick up your glove. You do need a sock on each foot. This is how your boots go on. Then picking them up only to watch another one fall down. I mean, it, it's a labor of love. You're doing all of this for them. And while you're doing all of this for them to bless them, to love them, all they are doing is arguing with each other and complaining about everything. Why do we have to have pizza again? I don't want pizza. We had pizza now. Chick-fil-A, I don't even want that. Get out of my seat. That's my seat. Well, you sit in the back. I got here first. I can't sit in the back. I get car sick. Don't touch my charger. That's my iPhone charger. I need that for my, I can't just. And not a word of that was made up. Every word of it I heard. Every word of it I heard. And here's the point. At that moment, I do not care which one is right. 
I do not care who was first to the seat. The only thing I care about is how badly they are treating each other because they are all my children. And as a, as a parent, I'm thinking, I brought four of you on this trip, but I don't have to bring four of you home. You know? <laughs> you know? Glad you laughed because now we're done laughing. Because God in heaven looks down and we think that God really cares how much we're right about what mean thing we say to that person. And all God sees is his children treating his other children with contempt and hate and publicly saying things he would never say. I told you I did a lot of research for the series because I'm a Bible guy more than a prayer guy. So to do a series on prayer, I thought I'm going to read a lot. I'm going to see what prayer experts actually have to say about this. And uh, so, you know, I'm the guy that will spend an hour in my Bible and five minutes in prayer and then realize I've noticed squirrels jumping from one limb to another in the middle of that. Anybody else, you're ADD when you pray. You're not ADD any other time in life, but you start praying, next thing you're like, oh yeah, I was talking to God. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Like, ooh, squirrel, you know. Anyway, so I was reading uh, one of these books. I was reading a, probably one of the foremost books on prayer by one of the leading prayer uh, authorities and authors and pastors in our country, and he had written a whole chapter on this. And I'd never really thought about how much the way we treat other people would, would bother God. And, and he started talking about the critical speech. And, and then he, I, I'm going to make all y'all mad, but I'm just repeating what the author said. He said, I wonder how many of our prayers are hindered by the way we speak about our leaders. See, real, real quick Bible lesson for you. The Bible tells us that we should respect and honor all authorities because there's no authority, none. The Bible says there's no authority in place that's not instituted by God. That means your principal, your teacher, your boss, your parents, and your president. And, and the Bible even goes so far as to call Nebuchadnezzar God's servant. Now, here's the thing. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of the Babylonians. They've got to still be in all of human history in the top three of the most pagan, detestable, worst cultures ever live on the earth to do absolutely nothing to glorify God. But yet God says, somehow I was working to carry out my purpose through him. You know what that means when I read the Bible? That tells me that somehow Bush was a part of God's plan. Obama was a part of God's plan. Trump was a part of God's plan. And Biden is now a part of God's plan. And now, you know, I'm an equal opportunity offender. Is everybody mad at me? And I'm not saying you can't have an opinion. I'm not saying you ignore the facts. I'm saying, how do we speak? How do we treat? Because it is one thing for me to pray to God, God, you know, I'm, I'm not sure about, uh, you know, our current government. I, I pray that you would bring godliness into our government. And I'm, I'm not sure that that person is doing what's in your values. And, you know, I mean, I can have a conversation with God. I can even have a conversation with one of you that says, yeah, I, I'm not sure that that policy agrees with Scripture. And if I, I get to vote, I won't vote for that. I could say things like that. Having an opinion is not the problem. It's the memes that we post, the T-shirts, the chant. And if anybody's got anything to say, my email address is Fancher at Grace Life. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I, think, I don't think that God enjoys watching his, his children treat each other this way, even if there's someone that's not necessarily being a perfect example of, of God himself. I just don't think we have that right. And this is why our prayers are hindered. We're saying, as we 
is we make horrible chants and use four-letter words about our president, whichever one. I mean, the things that people say about our current president, I'm just shocked to hear Christians say it. And I heard Christians say things about our former president that were shocking to me. Either way, again, equal opportunity offender. But I'm thinking, as they're sitting here, God, bring revival to our nation, and, you know, as we're using all kinds of slurs against the leader that God's put into place for whatever reason. Again, sometimes you don't know what God is doing, and you can't see it in the current administration moment or whatever. Sometimes history you need, but, but, but we're just attacking and, and thinking, how is God going to bring revival to that? And I could just see God saying, I'm going to start, I'll bring revival, and I'm going to start with your mouth. You know, it's like, how can I bring revival when, when my own people won't do what my word says? Because here's what God's word says. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving, thanksgiving, keep that in mind, thank God for all people, for kings, and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And you need to understand the context if you do not. This was written to first century Christians who lived under Roman Empire occupation. They didn't get to vote for their leaders even if they didn't like them. They they were being controlled by dictators uh, called emperors who would kill at will for anyone who disagreed with them, sometimes in mass. Some of them would even say, you have to worship me. And then they would put figureheads of those people in place called kings But those kings didn't care about you. They only cared about keeping their neck. So you had a corrupt king of your people that was a figurehead for an evil occupying force that did not represent God, by the way. And no matter what you think of any president you've ever had, go do some history. It does not begin to compare to Caligula, Tiberius, Augustus, Herod. So if, if God could command first century Christians to honor then maybe we need to honor. Or maybe I'm just teaching the Bible. So I'll go into another point you don't want to hear. Number three on our list is forgive others. Jesus even put it in context. But when you are praying, when you're trying to talk to your Father in heaven, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. You see, again, We're not talking about forgive so that you'll be forgiven and go to heaven because Jesus took care of that. We're talking about a relational forgiveness. We're talking about the the reason that God may may not be listening to your prayers is, is, is that we are so offended over what someone has done to us. And I can just imagine, we'll get to heaven and find out if I'm right, but I can just imagine God looks down and says, I forgave you for the absolute worst offenses against me, a perfectly holy God. I forgave you of it all, complete, forever, even the ones you haven't done yet. And yet you're offended over that one thing that person said on Facebook. Are you kidding me? And I think, honestly, it just makes God go, why should I listen to you? Do you you understand how much not like me you are? I sent my son to die so you could be forgiven, and you won't even get over your pride. Sorry, it's a tough, tough thing to say, isn't it? Look, the Bible makes it clear if we don't forgive, it impacts our relationship with God. And so, look, I, I'm just going to move on. Forgiving is hard. Forgiving is very, very hard, and uh, it's worthy of many messages. 
So for those of you that are saying, well, that'd be nice, Jimmy, but you don't know what's happened to me, or you don't know how hard it is, or I want to forgive, but I can't, I'm just going to recommend, uh, just a few months ago, we, we did a message on forgiveness where I took a long time to help answer all of those questions because I can't do it right now. Uh, it was in a series called Jesus Said, and it was a message simply called Forgive. So if that's a struggle in your life and you're saying, Jimmy, I'd love to forgive, but then go check out that message and I hope that it will help you. Now, I'm gonna close with this. I want you to know, and I wanna make sure everybody's listening. I am not saying God listens to the perfect. That has not been this message at all. That is is not the point because you're not perfect. You'll never be perfect. God has never heard a perfect prayer other than when Jesus was upon the earth. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we're all sinners. What do you do with it? Jesus gave a parable of, of a tax collector who came to the temple and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. See, that's the question for you today because you're all sinners. We're all sinners. We either have a short temper or we don't like to forgive or we don't like to share our money or, you know, whatever it is. We, we've all got an issue or, or a few. But what do you do with it? Are you someone who is confronting your sin and being honest about it? God, help me. Or are you someone who's continuing in your sin and doesn't really care? That's the difference, I think, of who God is not listening to. Here's what God says. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. If we confess, he's faithful to forgive, to cleanse us from the, see that unrighteousness? To cleanse us from our unrightness with God. That leads us to our fourth point. Simply confess, draw near to God. Go to God and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I can't, I can't be perfect, I can't do this, but I don't want your ears closed to me. See, it's all about the condition of your heart. Are you a person who recognizes you need help? Are you a person who recognizes that, that you probably did something that God didn't like? You probably said something about somebody God did. I mean, it's one thing to recognize. It's another thing to just keep going and say, I don't care. And I think that's the difference. And so if you're asking today, how do I start? Jimmy, that's great. Four points. Boy, that's a lot. Got a lot of notes, a lot of scripture. How do I start? And here's your starting point. Psalm 139. It says, search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. That means what I'm worried and consumed about. Catch this. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me in a better way. Lead me in a different way from how I've been living. Lead me in the path of everlasting life. God, change how I'm... Find anything in here you don't like, point it out. I want to know about it, God. I want to know. See, that's the thing. We want God to talk to us. We want to hear from God. Well, start by inviting God to tell you something you might not want to hear. God, search me. And if there's anything in here that makes you want to close your ears, please tell me, because I want to change it. And I think a person with that heart and that prayer, God will hear everything. I think it's only those of us who say, I don't care. You need to know if you say, I don't really care what God says. I don't care what God's word says. I don't care. I'm going to post anything I want to post. I'm going to treat my I think you're going to struggle to get your prayers heard. At least that's what the Bible says, and that's the case I've made today. It's not about being perfect. 
It's about being like that tax collector who just says, God, be merciful to me. I need your help. Because here's what I believe. God is a good God. God is a loving God. God is a forgiving God. He sent his son to die for you 2,000 years before you even knew you needed it. He's a God who wants to hear from his children. and He wants to answer his children's requests. He does. Let's get our junk out of the way so he can have the relationship with us that he wants to have. Amen? Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you are such a loving father that you have forgiven us, that you, you have made a way, that you do repeatedly give an opportunity for us, even as sinners, to just walk right up to you and say, God, help me. God, you are so good, and we thank you for it. Today, we confess to you, God, that, that there's probably been times in our lives where we've just done whatever we wanted, the opposite of what you wanted, and maybe we didn't care. God, today we say we care, and we're sorry. Will you search us? Will you point out anything in us? offensive to you so that your ears will be open to our cry thank you if you'll just stay in a place of prayer I want to speak to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king as we said earlier we all need to be legally right with God that means that our sins are forgiven we are declared one of his children forgiven and have eternal life it's what we call the free gift of salvation it's because Jesus was the Son of God. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life. So when he was crucified, his shed blood paid for your sins and not his own. If you've never received this free gift of salvation, if you've never declared Jesus to be your king, I want to help you do that right now. For those of you at home, those of you here, simply say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now, I choose to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. In my simple prayer today, would you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom? Amen. Everybody help me celebrate with those people. Amen.